All right, good morning. So we are talking about dreams today. Leland, do you like to dream? No? Do you like to have dreams when you're sleeping? Do you like to have dreams? Yes. Can you go with daddy now? Yes. That would be great. Because you might get stepped on up here. Mommy tends to move. Okay. So to start off today, I have a little bit of a uh, challenge for you. I have four songs that your job is to figure out who sang them or what movie they're from or... And, and in our house, we have now, I think Gary and I have these memorized, and they're going to go on repeat for the next, like, two weeks. But here we go. Number one, a dream is a wish your heart makes. Cinderella. Okay, this one is from a, an actual, I shall do this one last. The next one, we'll do another uh, movie. I know you, I walked with you once upon a dream. I know you, that look in your eyes is so, not Snow White. Catherine? Sleeping Beauty. All right, the next movie. I've got a dream, I've got a dream. I just want to see the floating lanterns. Tangled, and who, what's her name, Ronan? What's her name? Rapunzel. Okay, this one's for Pastor Gary. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow, and tomorrow is just a dream away. Or if Dad's online, Dad'll get it. <laughs> Not from Cinderella. Gary? Carousel of Progress. All about dreams. So today we're talking about dreams. Of course, these fairy tales and these rides aren't necessarily the type of dream we're talking about today, but they do give you a sense of excitement and encouragement and uh, a picture of what's to come in those movies and in that ride. The dreams that you dream have purpose and they have power when they're inspired by our Heavenly Father. Dreams have purpose. God designs them to communicate with us. He'll use them to illustrate purpose, to warn us of our future of future events, and to point us in some sort of direction, to give us instructions. There's actually 21 dreams recorded in the Bible. Six dreamers are kings. One is a woman. Two are named Joseph, which just makes things really confusing when I start talking about this because there's two Josephs. But interesting enough, of course, all of them are sleeping when they're having these dreams, which gives us a strict uh, distinction between visions and dreams. Visions are when you're awake, you're purposely seeking them. Dreams happen when we're asleep, when we're perhaps at our most um, vulnerable state. So what are our, who are these dreamers? We'll start at, at the very beginning in Genesis. Our first dreamer we come to is Abimelech. God stops Abimelech from doing something not so great. This is a time in history when we know Abraham and Sarah are together. They're wandering. They're trying to find home. And they come to the place uh, where Abimelech is ruling. 
And in this place, uh, it's not so great. People don't make the best decisions. There's a lot of, um, um, of sin and temptation. And so God says to Abimelech in this moment, um, Genesis 20. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of Negev and lived between Kedesh and Shur. For a while, he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. They were trying to protect each other. Instead of saying, we're husband and wife, because if you were husband and wife and someone thought, hey, your wife looks good, they would just take them for themselves and potentially hurt or even kill the husband. So for their safety, they decided, we're going to tell everyone we're brother and sister. Then Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent man? Did he not say to me, She is my sister? And didn't she also say, He is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God, to sa- then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. God gave warning of these events to come to Abimelech, of what not to do in his dream. He gave him just very specific instruction to return Sarah to where and who she belonged to. We then come to Jacob. Jacob is in Genesis 28, 12. He is the father of of, of Israel as as it comes. He sees angels ascending and descending a ladder between earth and heaven. And at the time, he's probably thinking, what in the world does this mean? So we pick up this story. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He then had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. I find this dream to be so encouraging to see Jacob in a moment of question, perhaps, of frustration, of not really knowing where, what's happening, where he's going, what the plan will be, if they're ever going to get to this promised land that God has for them. And God gives him this dream that, yes, this is coming. This is going to happen. I will... I will be with you no matter what until I have brought you to that promise. God is with us in our dreams. God is with us and encouraging us in those moments. Jacob has another dream 
later on in his journey in Genesis 31. In the breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, and spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, and spotted. For I have seen all that Laban, his father-in-law, has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Go home, Jacob. Your father-in-law hasn't been very nice to you. You've struggled under his, his rule, his, uh, his power. And now I see that. I see that struggle. And you can return home. You're safe. Take your family and return to your native land. Again, what a, a moment of... I can just imagine Jacob feeling, feeling that stress, feeling that, that, that worry of what's to come and what's happening with, with Laban and his family to then be um, released from, with God to go home. We then hear that Laban himself has a dream. He is Rachel and Leah's father, Jacob's father-in-law. They struggle Jacob and Laban, they have their issues. And instead of Laban, I'm sure, wanting to um, belittle Jacob, uh, knock him down a few pegs, God gives him this dream. And God warns Laban not to bless or to curse Jacob as he heads home. He reminds, he even gives Laban the, the dream of, I am releasing Jacob to return home. We then come to Joseph. Joseph and his coat of many colors. In Genesis 37, Joseph has one of his first dreams. I had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because his dreams and of what he said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said. I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to him. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Joseph was the youngest of these, of these 12 siblings. He was the potential black sheep of the family. Didn't really get along with anybody, but his father loved him. He blessed him. He gave him his coat of many colors, and his siblings obviously weren't so fond of that. So in, all of, in both of these dreams, his siblings are saying, no way, we're not going to bow down to you. Instead, as the story goes on, they sell him to Egyptians, take him away to be a servant, and they tell his father he actually died. And too bad. And of course, they, they, they weep. The father is sad. But in that moment of frustration, as I was reading through some of um, 
these study guides and, and planning for today, I thought it was so interesting that, yes, his brothers hated him, but they put him in the exact place to get to a place of influence. They put him on, they sold him to those Egyptians, took him right to Egypt, right to Pharaoh, to where we get to our next dreams. That Joseph actually was put in the exact moment he needed to be because his brothers didn't like him and didn't like that he was having these dreams. Just goes to show you that you need to share your dreams, even if they might scare you, or they might even scare the people around you. God has a plan for those big dreams. So as the story goes for Joseph, he gets to Egypt, he ends up landing in jail with Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker. He's sitting there, minding his own business, and these two individuals have dreams of their own. One has a dream about three branches, and one has a dream about three baskets on his head of food, and the birds are eating the food out of the basket. Of course, they wake from their dreams, and they're with Joseph, and they say, what's going on? What do these mean? And Joseph, being who he is, can actually interpret these dreams. And he says to the cupbearer, your dream is great and positive. It shows that you will be taken to a place of honor. You will be placed in, this, in a place of honor. However, the baker, not so positive. It actually signifies that the baker will, will die. That that basket on his head and the birds eating the food is actually you, your final demise. And sure enough, they, they are released from, from jail. The cupbearer rises to sort of the right hand of Pharaoh. And the baker is hung. As the years go on, Pharaoh now has a dream. And he's wondering, what does this mean? It's been two full years since this previous event has happened, the cupbearer and the baker. And the cupbearer remembers hey, I know someone. I know this guy who was sharing dreams. I know this guy who talks, who hears from God. Let's bring him. So Joseph finally gets out of jail because nobody else can interpret Pharaoh's dream. And in Genesis 41, we hear from Pharaoh's, about Pharaoh's dream. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again in a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and all the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told him his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. So as I said, that chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. 
Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chef and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, young, now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. No magician in Egypt could interpret Pharaoh's dream. He longed to share his dream with people and to completely understand what was to come. Joseph was able to come before him, prepared to do whatever Pharaoh asked of him. But I love that Joseph says, it's not me who interprets your dream. It's God. God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And as the story continues, we, Joseph interprets this. God gives this interpretation and says, there will actually be seven years of great um, plenty for Egypt. And then there's going to be seven years of terrible famine. God was able to give this dream to Pharaoh in order to prepare Egypt for what was to come, of future events. They were able to store up so that it wasn't a devastation to the, to the nation. Next, we have a, an unnamed man has a dream. And it's during a time of war when they're wondering, is this going to end? What's going to happen? Are we going to win? And this man has a, a dream about, uh, he sees the, the camp of the enemy, and he sees a barley loaf. Why it's a barley loaf, I didn't ever find that answer, but it's a loaf of bread, and it rolls into camp, and it destroys a tent. And we actually see from this that it's foreshadowing their victory in war, that we are victorious over the enemy. Again, it's a wonderful encouragement for those right in the trenches doing what they're doing for God. Now we come to Solomon, a great king, and the Lord offers him whatever he wants in a dream. You pick whatever you want, Solomon, I'll give it to you. And out of all of the things Solomon could choose, Solomon chooses wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And interestingly enough, God decides not just to give him wisdom, but to give him all the other things that he possibly could have asked for. Wealth and any dream in his mind he may have had. And Solomon did reign for many years as one of the blessed kings of Israel. We then come some, to some not-so-nice dreams uh, as, as time goes on, as history passes. We come to Nebuchadnezzar. There's a great statue of stone, and it's crushed in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He also has another dream where there's an enormous tree cut down, one symbolizing his uh, demise as a ruler, and the second sing signifying his demise of his health and his mental health. And he basically just crumbles from there. His rule is gone. His person, his self is done. 
This interpretation actually came from the prophet Daniel. All, everyone except Daniel was unable to interpret this. Just like we saw in this story with Joseph. No one else could interpret this, but Daniel was given God's interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 2, 45 to 47 says, The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. This dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. The great God has shown you what will come. Now, actually, Daniel gets to have a dream of his own. He sees four beasts, a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a mysterious beast with ten horns, all facing judgment from God. And the Son of God is given dominion over all of them. Again, this is for future events, that all of this will come to pass, that the, the world's empires will fall, and that Jesus will reign. God will reign all of it. Now we get to come to the New Testament. And we get to see the father of, of Jesus, the earthly father of Jesus, Joseph, has multiple dreams, and all of these dreams relate to the safety of Jesus. He has one while Mary is pregnant, and a message in his dream saying, don't divorce Mary, don't leave her. She's carrying God's child. He's then giving to, given two dreams with warning. Warning number one, avoid King Herod. Do not return home. Stay where you are with Mary and Jesus. Warning number two, flee to Egypt before Herod hunts Jesus down. As time goes on and Herod has now passed, Herod wanted to, originally wanted to kill all of the young male babies because he was afraid of, of this new king that was coming, Jesus. So God protected him and kept him away from King Herod. So King Herod has passed. Joseph has another dream saying, you can return to Nazareth now. Go ahead, return home. But quickly followed up with another dream saying, actually, not to Judea because Herod's son is still in rule. We don't want him to be in, in danger yet again. So settle in Galilee. By settling in Galilee, he completes the prophecy of that Jesus will be a Nazarene. There will be a king from there. As Jesus' life goes on, of course, we know he, had, he starts his ministry and then he is faced with death and crucifixion and resurrection. But before this, we have Pontius Pilate's wife. Right in the middle of all of this chaos that's happening for Jesus, Pontius Pilate's wife has a nightmare concerning Jesus' death. And it confirms that she knows he is innocent. She actually goes to, to Pilate and tries to convince him not to go through with this. Obviously, we know that didn't work out how she wanted. But she was convinced and knew for sure he was innocent and knew who he was. As time goes on in our lives, dreams are still 
present. We are still encouraged. We are still directed and given instructions by God through our dreams. In Joel 2, verse 28, this beautiful prophecy is told for us. Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. There's still a place for dreams. Joel's prophecy, of course, was partially fulfilled in Acts 2 when we get to the day of Pentecost, but not completed there. Its complete fulfillment will happen at the outset of Christ's reign, when Christ returns. So keep seeking those visions, prophecy, and dreams. He isn't finished with us yet. God will place dreams in your life to warn you of a future event, show you a symbol that's important to you, or to convey a certain message. They might be very specific like they were for Joseph. They might need interpretation from yourself through your prayer, through God, through others. But they are important and they have something to share with you. At the, time, at the day of Pentecost, this is what's partially fulfilled Joel's prophecy. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, asking each, if each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Egypt and parts of Liberia near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, everyone. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is what is to come. This is what's to happen. Dreams and visions and prophecy. So dream for today. Ask God to give you dreams, prophecies, and visions that he has for you. Share them with others. Talk about it. And watch it happen. Watch your life change. Watch the lives of those around you change. Prepare for what's ahead and allow the kingdom to grow. So continue to keep dreaming. Ask God to bless you with his dreams for your life and embrace those promises, direction, and wisdom that he's sharing with you. When you dream with God, here's some practical tips. Write them down. Journal, jot, make space in your life for those dreams. Judge that dream. Who are they from? Are they from you, the enemy? Are they from God? Dreams come in all shapes and sizes. 
And we need to decipher who they're coming from. Pray through the dream. Pray that God gives you that interpretation. Consider how your emotions are in the dream, after the dream, and then now. How do you feel about what's going on in those moments of dreaming? Review the context. What was happening during your time of life when you had that dream? Were you stressed? Were you anxious? Were you excited? How did that dream affect your life in that moment? Look for the Lord's broad brush. There's there's an important point to make when you look at the big picture of a dream. Look for what the Lord is telling you in the big picture. Ask questions. Ask questions about the dream. In kindergarten, they like to ask the, ask the question or phrase their question like this. Um, I wonder. Right, Catherine? And I wonder what that dream meant. I wonder what it meant to have, to be in my house. I wonder what it meant to see a loaf of bread hitting a tent. I wonder, wonder about your dream. Then dive into the details. You've looked at the big picture, now dive into the details. What does that mean? Dive into those details. Then search for scripture parallels. God will not give you a dream that does not line up with scripture. If, it's, if you can't find it in Scripture, if you can't confirm it there, it's not from God. Search for Scripture parallels. In Jeremiah 28, verse 8, he says, Do not place your faith in dreams, but test everything said about a dream against Scripture. Number 10 tip here. Contemplate multiple interpretations. So what do you interpret? What did God give you to interpret? And when you share it with others, what does God tell them about your dream? And finally, tip number 11 is the interpretation belongs to the Lord. Let God open up your eyes to what those beautiful dreams mean. What he truly wants for you. Jeremiah 23, verse 25 to 32 encourages us to embrace the dreams sent from God. God will expose those dreams that are false, those that lead people into temptation and sin. Those dreams are nothing compared to God's word. God's word, God's dreams are like nutrition, like wheat, like things that will raise you up, like a fire and hammer. They are strong God's dreams are life-changing, strong, and will impact the kingdom. So, dear God, I pray that you would bless each of us today with a dream from you. God, may you use your dreams to encourage us in our seasons, to prepare us for what you have for our future. And God, to give us a moment to remember you and your awesome place in our life. God, may our dreams be filled with your wonder. 
And God, may each moment of us interpreting it be solely based on you and your mighty power. God, thank you for your word today, and thank you for your illustrations of kings and people and their dreams in the past. God, may we be encouraged today to lead a life with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Yay! Yay. And cue music.